Well, uh, everything's good here at Audaria. Um, still working on the audio book production idea, um, but we're quite inspired by the things that we can do with uh, Darshan Press, to, uh, which would include that, uh, to serve the community between audio books, printed books, um, uh, videos and so forth. So working on all those things. Gonna set up a studio for myself downstairs to broadcast from with better equipment for all of you to, to uh, tune into. So hopefully we'll have some of that set up next week. We'll see how things go. Um, I've been posting a little bit on this. There's this forum for Prabhupada's disciples on Facebook, which is um, not a very interesting forum, but I've been adding some content to it from, from my book, little sections. Um, and uh, there's some appreciation amongst the God siblings there. So that, that, that's nice to see, no criticisms. Um, so uh, I just posted this something there again this morning, just before the talk. So um, keep them busy. Nice. Okay. So I'll start with the questions. Um, Dave Apati, you'll need to unmute yourself to ask your question. Okay. Hare Krishna, Shilabar Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Uh, I would like to ask one question. Uh, it is uh, about uh, Krishna's personal intervention in uh, our life or the life or a neophyte devotee. Namely, uh, when something happens uh, to me spiritually or materially, I have a tendency to think like uh, uh, Krishna is so merciful if it is like uh, good uh, to me that he allowed this to happen. And when something not so pleasant happens, uh, some disease, some setback or loss, I try to think like uh, Krishna wants to teach me a lesson. <clears throat> when I speak to the other people that were familiar, that I practice this uh, Krishna consciousness, when I comment this situation, I also tell them uh, Krishna gave me mercy or Krishna is teaching me a lesson. So the concrete question is, I may say so, but is it correct to think like this in my case, in the case of a neophyte devotee or not advanced aspiring devotee like myself? Is it wrong to think that Krishna is personally doing these things? Is it puffed up to say that Krishna is doing this to me? Like uh, who do I think I am or what is my devotional importance in this fallen state or beginning stage of Krishna consciousness? That. Uh, Krishna is personally connected to me and does these things to me personally. I ask this 
on the basis on the informations that I heard many times, like Krishna never leaves Vrindavan, or Krishna is so absorbed in the love of Radharani or inhabitants of Vrindavan for him that he is lost in this realm of pure love. The other day, Srila Prabhupada said in lecture, devotee means pure devotee. So after healing all these things, when I understand and accept my fallen state, I'm starting to think that maybe it is not Krishna who is personally in contact with me and that uh, these positive and negative things are happening to me uh, uh, that are done by some kind of agents, energies, etc. Especially in the case of some hardships, diseases, and like this, I think that um, it has nothing to do with Krishna. It is simply Maya punishing mm -hmm. me on the basis of my previous sinful actions or present sinful actions. And when something good, great, and spiritually merciful happens, I tend to think this is made mercy of uh, Srila Guru Maharaj, Tipurari Swami, or uh, Srila Prabhupada, etc. And in this way, I feel more realistic to myself than when thinking uh, uh, this what happened to me, it's a Krishna personally granted to me, gave me, did to me, etc. So dear Srila Guru Maharaj, please clarify me this and instruct me on how should I think about this intervention of Krishna in my life. Question. Well, well stated. Um, it uh, is similar to a question raised by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in his Raghavart Machandrika. Um, he raises the question that if Krishna is absorbed in the love of his devotees in Vrindavan, then um, those who are sadhakas on the Rag Marg, um, who, who will hear their prayers? Hmm? Because he's in a condition uh, even that is even forgetful of his own godhood. Hmm? And uh, it, it would require his omniscience to be active in for order for him to hear such prayers, one could reason, but in that condition, his omniscience is suppressed, hmm? and he thinks himself to be the son of Yasoda, hmm? for example. And so he poses that question, and he answers the question that, by way of citing a verse from the Bhagavatam, from the 11th canto, where Uddhava marvels at the fact that although Krishna is omniscient, which is understood by the inhabitants of Dwarka, they, they know him to be God, as opposed to the devotees in Vrindavan, they don't think him to be God. Um, so Uddhava marvels at the fact that although he's God and he's omniscient, he asks me questions as if he doesn't know the answer and I supply him the answers from the scriptures. Hmm? Um, so Vishwanath Chavatitakwa says that in Dwarka, Krishna's omniscience is more present, but his bewilderment, if you will, or lack of omniscience is also manifest enough for 
him to ask such questions of Uddhava. Hmm? And factor in some sweetness, you know, to, to the relationship. And so we see this in Dwarka, and he reasons theology or theologizes that the, the reverse is true in Vrindavan, that Krishna is primarily uh, in a what might be called a bewildered or overwhelmed condition hmm? in love, and, and his omniscience is, is suppressed, pushed to the background. But it's not absent altogether. Hmm? And therefore he hears the prayers of his, of his sadhakas. They don't pray to the Paramatma or some other feature of Bhagwan that has nothing to do with, with, with Rag Bhakti and their ideal, hmm? but only to Krishna. Now the question comes, which is similar to yours, what kind of Rag Bhakta? Hmm? In my Shikshastakam commentary, I've, I've made the point that citing Bhakti Vinotakura who in his uh, songs uh, of Sharanagati, he has written songs corresponding with the different limbs of Sharanagati. Uh, in the first song, which is an introduction, he writes that, uh, that uh, for the Sharanagata, hmm, then uh, uh, the son of Nanda, uh, here, here's their prayer, something to that effect. So then what does it mean to be a Sharanagata? So there's the cultivation of Sharanagati, and then there's actually becoming a Sharanagata and, and, and uh, reaching the, the, the fulfillment of that pursuit, which is um, fulfilled in the stage of Ruchi. So this is a high, uh, higher form or more developed form of a sadhaka hmm, uh, who's uh, has this sharanagati in place. Sharanagati I've likened it to the a dramatic stage on which the leela in bhav bhakti will be performed. So the stage is set up hmm, at that point. Um, so the emphasis there then generally is, is, well, if my sadhana is really sincere and intense, then surely Krishna will, will hear me. And I have a task before me that's, that's uh, considerable. What is that? He's lost in the arms of Radha. <laughs> so I've got to make him hear me. So this should be inspiration for me to pay attention to my sadhana. Hmm? So it's similar to the question that you're asking. Um, we see, directly related to your question, that Krishna does um, participate in the, actively in the lives of his devotees. But again, what type of devotee you ask? The example that comes to mind, um, first and foremost for me is that of Jaidev. Hmm? Jaidev Goswami, wrote the Gita Govinda while writing uh, his text. Um, he said that uh, it, it came to him that uh, at a certain point that Krishna um, uh, uh, 
I think he was looking at the Gita verse, Yoga Chamam Bahami Hum, that uh, Krishna carries what his devotees lack. And he thought, how can he, Krishna is going to personally carry what they lack and provide for them. So they're lacking food. Krishna is going to come and, and supply them vegetables and fruits and grains personally. This isn't right. So he scratched out the word Bahami and wrote Karomi. He gets it done. Somehow or other, Krishna gets it, provides for them through some other agency, not him personally. So he crossed it out and then he went out to the market to beg hmm, and didn't get anything. Hmm. I think he had an argument with some shopkeeper who threw something at him and it, it hit him on the head and, and cut his head and he came back with no, no produce and a cut on his head. And as he approached the door, his wife greeted him and said, what, what happened to your head? And um, the food's on the table. Where have you been? So he didn't know how to answer. Food's on the table. He said, where'd you get the food? He said, this young boy came. He said, he said that you, you had, um, you had uh, abused him and hit him on the head in an argument, slapped him. But he's come anyway. Hmm? To, to bring <laughs> to bring the vegetables and I've cooked and, and they, everything's ready. How did you get the scratch on your head? And then he went and, and he sat down in front of his manuscript and the word Karomi that he had written had been crossed off and Bahami had been written back in again. So he realized that Krishna actually came to his door, brought the vegetables and the fruits and uh, the scratch on his head was the scratch that he had done with his pen. Hmm? And Krishna entered the room and crossed out the, his cross out and rewrote the word back in. So Krishna actually participates in such details in the lives of devotees. But again, to your question, what kind of devotee was Jaidev and what kind of devotee are we, right? Well, in one sense, the answer is we are the kind of devotee who should be a devotee like uh, Jaidev. So we have these kind of examples and we aspire to be like them. And the, to the extent that we do, well, then Krishna is going to be personally present in our lives. But is he absent in our lives? No. His non, he's not different from his name. Hmm? So we're chanting his name. He's come into our lives. Govinda Maharaj was the successor. Pujapatri Dharmaraj was an astrologer. He used to say that the problem with astrology is that the most important planet is, is not in the ch chart of a devotee, and that's Goloka. Hmm? So Narasim Thakur says, Goloka Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan. So from the wealth, riches of Goloka is coming into our life through the medium of Namsan Kirtan. Hmm. So in the form of his name, he is in our life. He is um, dealing with our karma. Now, there's different ways to look at that. Um, and I think the, the best way to look at it is that things happen to us 
based on our karma. Hmm? But bhakti has the power to remove karma. And it does so gradually. Hmm? And therefore, what happens to me could have been worse, hmm? but it's been minimized. Hmm? You can say by Krishna's arrangement, by the fact that Krishna's in my life. Hmm? And so it's kind of both in, in, in a sense. Hmm? Had not Krishna been in your life, who knows what would have happened. Hmm? Um, because Krishna's in your life, well, and, and to that extent, then uh, uh, even the parabdha karma, even the manifest karma will be um, adjusted by Krishna's influence. This is the kind of, this is a, this is a strong emphasis that we find in the writings of Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, who really weighs heavily in on the efficacy of bhakti hmm? um, and its capacity to, to remove karma in ways that seem almost unbelievable hmm? uh, that Krishna would do so at a, even for a devotee uh, uh, who's only attained nishta or has not quite attained a nishta. So, um, so I think uh, that said that in another sense, although what's happening to us may be a result of our karma, albeit perhaps in an adjusted form, hmm, um, rather than Krishna arranging it like he did in the life of Jayadeva Goswami, it doesn't hurt for a devotee to think Krishna's doing this to me, to teach me. Krishna's blessed me. Because this fosters sharanagati for Krishna, dependence on Krishna. Krishna's my protector. Krishna's my maintainer. That kind of disposition, that kind of thinking, um, whether it's true or not, as you put it, I'd say it is and it isn't. Uh, it it doesn't hurt us to think like that. We don't become offensive by thinking like that. There should be for Agbakas. There should be a little bit of boldness, a little bit of self-assertion. Hmm? Um, it's a kind of thing like I don't deserve it, but I want it anyway. Uh, you know, let's say you have a bunch of poor people and you're going to line up to feed them. Hmm? So they, they're dependent upon you. But some lady comes up and is very bold and insists she wants seconds. And so, you know, good for her, you know, uh, what's her qualification? She just wants it. That's all. It's, it's a, she, she kind of stands out and, uh, I remember once Sridharmarsh told a story that when he was a, a newer devotee, he was given a service for distributing prasadam on one festival and he was distributing halava. So people, the Bengalis attending the festival would come and bring their plate and he would put halava on. So he noticed one guy had gone to the back of the line after eating the halava and come for seconds. 
So he gave him the seconds. And then he noticed that the guy went to the back of the line and he came for thirds. Hmm? And so Cheater Marsh hesitated before, isn't like this the third time you've been here? But the old, older devotee, senior devotee next to him said, are you distributing food or, or prashadam? Mercy. Hmm? If someone wants mercy hmm, and asserts themselves, then <laughs> there's no fault on their part. It's a good quality. Hmm? So for Rag Bhakti, yeah, we had to have a little bit of assertiveness and insistence on our part for Krishna to participate. Um, we're giving ourselves to him and uh, and so we expect that he, he will protect us he will maintain us so that's it i can think a way to way to way to, way to, way to think about it does that help thank you very much Gurmaraj. okay adas you want to unmute yourself and ask your question Hare Krishna. Mm. Uh, I was listening um, your one of your lectures on uh, Gopal Tapani, uh, and there you were describing uh, uh, Krishna Lila, where he uh, where he stole clothes of Gopis while they while they were bathing in. Um, in the river, and uh, at the at the end, when they already get out from the water, and when they were covering them themselves with hands, um, Krishna told them that they offended the um, river god or something like that. And to counteract the, that offense, they have to, to raise their hands up and to bow down. And uh, after that, you said that um, you cannot, uh, no. when, you, when you are standing in the line for mercy, you cannot, you cannot expect for justice. And uh, it seems quite uh, interesting saying, but I just can't. Um, I just can't connect. You know the. I can't connect the, the saying with the lila and the saying itself. It seems contradictory somehow. Could you, could you please explain it? Well, I can't recall what I what I exactly what I said at that point, but uh, the principle, I can speak about that. How it applies to the Leela, I can't think at the moment exactly how I made that um, um, connection. Um, but uh, the point is that regardless, and I'd have to go and listen to it, but uh, that um, again, yes, if you're standing in line for mercy, then you can't claim, make it, make a, a um, complain about justice. So for example, if we're in line for mercy and um, someone behind us gets called to the front ahead of us, we can't say, well, that's not just, I was here first, I was ahead of him. Hmm? So you're in line for mercy, 
now you're making a complaint about justice that that doesn't go together mercy is an overriding of justice hmm? uh, of course you have to have justice in order for there to be mercy so in this world christian does defer to karma hmm? which is justice for the most part but he's merciful so his intervention is 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 such that it overrides uh, uh, justice. So both things are there. Yes, again, so for there to be mercy, there has to be justice because mercy is an overriding of justice. But if we want mercy, then uh, we have no um, justification for at the same time calling for justice. Because if justice is to be applied, in terms of the example I gave, because that person was behind me and he was called ahead of me first, uh, then we'll apply justice to your case. And should you even be in the line? No, you shouldn't even be in the line. Hmm. If justice is to be uh, the uh, determining factor. So that's the principle. Again, I can't, I'd have to look, listen to the lecture to, to see how, I'm sure I made, was able to connect the point, but um, the way in which you're re recalling it and relating it. I believe it's because they were doing that um, uh, worshiping because they wanted to get Krishna as their husband. And now I understand. And now when he came and he said, okay, so now I'm your husband and this is his mercy. So because he gave mercy, they cannot, you know, complain about uh, that he asked them to get out naked from the from the water and to bow down. So I, I guess it's, it's, it's like that. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, probably like this. Okay, I understand. Okay. Okay, Brigu, unmute yourself. Dandavat Guru Maharaj. I have, I have a question uh, about uh, purity or, or cleanliness. In, uh, in the Yoga Sutra, Patanjali speaks... Uh, uh, about this, it's one of the the commandments, the niyamas, shout, uh, shout, cleanliness, and uh, and when he discusses this, he he speaks both about external and internal cleanliness, and particularly when it comes to internal cleanliness, he has many things to say that it will lead to to uh, uh, um, happiness, to to uh, one pointedness. Uh, victory over the senses and uh, and ability to see the self. So I started to wonder, think about this because we don't much hear about the importance of, of cleanliness. And I wonder if there's something, something you would like to say about this, particularly internal cleanliness. Rishi Patanjali Kijai. I don't recall everything he said about that in terms of what constitutes internal purity but um, and he may go into it in certain depth or detail that we don't find in our scripture but I mean Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Shikshastikam begins with this um, idea of so that seems to be synonymous with 
um, in, in synonymous plus, I should say, with sutras um, of Patanjali's uh, Chittabriti Nirodha. Hmm? Uh, so in that sense, pure internal purity, I guess Mahaprabhu was speaking in a broader way, uh, in, in, involves cleansing the heart of Britis, which form together as samskaras and turn into vasanas and dictate our, our lives, um, uh, almost overriding our, our will or making it difficult for us to, to change our situation by the force of will. Um, but through Nam Sankirtan, then they can be cleansed away and so forth. So, you know, if Patanjali is saying internal purity leads to one-mindedness and so on, then he seems to be speaking about something lesser than some scars themselves, vasanas. And again, I'm not familiar with exactly what he said, or I don't recall. Um, um, but um, um, it's not that internal purity is not important in uh, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It's uh, again cleansing cleansing the the chitta is uh, the beginning, and uh, sometimes of, of the practice. Sometimes in that regard. Um, Harinam has been compared to a, a, a sweeper who enters the heart as a sweeper with a, with a broom. I've given the example of setting up shop in the heart and selling so-called magic brooms. Meanwhile, it's just a small shop. Meanwhile, there are mega corporations with neon lights and and um, and whatnot to attract our attention, buy me, get me, have me, be me, uh, uh, and, and so on and so forth. They are uh, capturing our attention and uh, shop selling booms that are magical. Well, who knows uh, whether we should take advantage of that, but of course they are. Nam does have that kind of magical power and so forth. So uh, if we take advantage, then uh, the heart, the chitta can be uncovered and, and the jewel of the self will out, uh, undo itself, will outshine all the neon lights of all the calls of the attractions of the world. All the what you could be in samsara is less than what you are in your nakedness um, as an atma. Um, were to speak of your redressed then by the Bhagavatam's Hadikata, uh, Rasakata, and uh, given an opportunity thereby to participate in the in the in the Leela. Uh, what does Krishna say about that realm? It's self-luminous. Hmm? How bright it is. So, um, yeah, and to get there, well, internal purity is important. Uh, now, if you were to cite 
for example, what um, Patanjali says in terms of what, in his mind, short of removing the samskaras and, 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 and cleansing the chitta entirely constitutes internal purity, which helps leading to that. Um, seeing that I can't recall it, then maybe we can uh, find some further reference to such in the Gaudiya texts themselves. Um, uh, that, that said, of course, um, cleanliness is, is one of the qualities of the Brahmins. Prabhupada used to say, cleanliness is next to godliness. He's talking about external cleanliness. Hmm? Um, he, this, in terms of deity worship, he used to emphasize the two most important things are cleanliness and, and timeliness. So he, he wanted us to worship the, the deity like, like a king, something like that. So you have to be on time and everything has to be cleanly. And um, Iskand has always kept a very high standard of that cleanliness and timeliness in their, their altars are quite uh, effulgent. Um, and stand out, make make a very powerful and uh, compelling in, in, impression. But um, yeah, probably one of the floors to be clean enough, clean enough to eat off of. And of course, we did eat off the floors. <laughs> so um, uh, I, I don't think that it's not emphasized. But you may be correct that there are some things that potentially says that constitute internal purity as a thing unto itself, so to speak, that fosters the larger picture. Of entirely cleansing the the, the chitta. Do you want to bring up some of the things that he that he that, that he cites? Well, well, he doesn't actually say exactly what he means by uh, internal okay. purity, but uh, but the commentators seem to indicate things like trying to avoid anger, lust, things that kind of contaminate the mind. Mm-hmm. 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 I think that um, that that is uh, covered to an extent in uh, Shikshastakam, in the third verse, where uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu speaks about, arguably about Nishta, and Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur's comments in Raghavartana Chandrika, where they, he speaks about two types of Nishta. One type of Nishta is the Nishta or the commitment, the, the steadiness in hearing and chanting. And the other thing is steadiness in things that um, lead to that or steadiness in humility, for example, as Mahaprabhu points out, in, in tolerance, in not expecting honor for oneself. So I think within, within those things, steadiness in those things, steadiness in, you know, to extend it, hmm, in uh, not being, uh, overwhelmed by anger, lightness, um, you know, good, all the good human, you know, kind of qualities um, that you would expect uh, to be uh, in a devotee. Steadiness in those things hmm, will foster steadiness in hearing and chanting. Sometimes we can find steadiness in hearing and chanting without those things. Hmm. Um, and if that hearing and chanting is really, is, is also, I want to say, uh, arising out of a proper understanding of the scripture and so forth, 
uh, someone could be steady hearing and chanting 16 rounds every day and, uh, and not understand um, the teachings of the Bhagavatam on a level that would constitute nishta. Nasta prayeshu abhadrishu nityam bhagavata sevaya. So nishta does involve the intelligence being involved, uh, absorbed. So you can go Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and your intelligence is somewhere else. It hasn't been applied to the teaching to sort out the difference between details and principles and so on and so forth. So that kind of steadiness in chanting is not nishta, but real steadiness in chanting and hearing that it does involve the intelligence has been uh, consumed by the teaching may manifest in someone despite the fact that they don't have the other internal purity uh, um, and so forth. And well, uh, we think that that, that that will follow and that's a virtue that they have um, are, are, are so absorbed. But I think the norm would be more the opposite. Hmm? That those things will come in place, that internal purity, um, character, behavior, uh, way we deal with people, um, uh, like you say, um, as the commentators on the sutras have said, control of anger, lust, so on and so forth. Um, uh, that's something that I would think would, would more uh, readily one could become steady and hmm, before um, steadiness and hearing and chanting in the full senses I'm speaking about it man manifests. So in that way, it would, the, the one would foster the other. So I, I, would, I would try to tie it into that third verse of Shikshastakam. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Eric, unmute yourself. Are you there, Eric? Oh, yes. <clears throat> uh, good morning, Maharaj. Um, Hare Krishna, Dandavats. Um, so, um, I have a question mainly regarding um, dealing with loss and big changes throughout um, life, particularly in the early stages of uh, one's aspiring devotional life. Uh, to preface the question, um, recently my uh, father passed away and this has kind of been a pretty big thing for myself and my family. and just been trying to take shelter of my, you know, in my sadhana, chanting, reading, particularly chapter two of Bhagavad Gita has been helped a lot. And um, I guess I just was wondering, um, after talking to some other devotees about how to word the question, um, I guess I've been trying to see this as sort of a teachable moment. And uh, I was wondering if there's any way you could recommend how I could take fullest advantage of this time uh, where uh, normally most people would be uh, grieving uh, to try to take advantage of this time to learn and try to make spiritual advancement. And if there's anything that I can say or do to um, help 
uh, my family members in, in this time who might not be spiritually inclined and not really be uh, know much about Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. My condolences um, uh, to you and your family. Um, but um, I think uh, the second chapter of the Gita is, 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 a, is a good place to go in one sense, or that as you have. And um, I think that there are broader uh, principles outlined there, detailed there even, uh, that um, extend beyond uh, all the theology of Gaudiya Vaishnavism pertains to basically uh, the argument that there's something that about us that is us in a more full sense that it continues to exist despite the demise of our biological and psychological sense of self. And the way that that's presented there um, is very compelling and, 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 and could give you know, solace to a broader uh, audience without having to bring in the details of, about Krishna and Rasa and all the different uh, theological figures and Gaudiya Vaishnavism and so forth. It's hard, hard to wrap your, your head around. So, um, in, you know, of course, that said, I mean, it's unfortunate, but, um, well, most people are not too philosophical is what I was going to say, but there, 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 there moments like this have to be dealt with uh, if one's to pacify the mind and get solace by, uh, by becoming philosophical, hmm? um, whatever the, the crisis is. When I was a young kid, I fell in love with a girl in, in sixth grade, you can imagine. She was pretty young. And then, um, then she developed a crush with an, with a, uh, on an eighth grader, which was devastating to me. Hmm? And um, I had to explain it to my mother, but it was my plight. And she then be, proceeded to give me a bigger picture. In a general sense, she began to philosophize. Hmm? At that point, I realized that this is the way to solve these problems. These problems loom very large for us, but by looking at them from a larger perspective, they become very small comparatively. Hmm? Um, and um, so that to me was like the solution to these types of um, problems. They are, they are small in comparison. So you have to paint uh, the bigger picture, which is to wax uh, philosophical. Hmm? And, um, you know, for you, you're a devotee, so you know that and you're doing that. Hmm? And um, you're taking this as negative impetus for your own coping mechanism and, 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 and spiritual progress. And that in itself, following your own spiritual progress from our philosophical point of view is, is the best thing you can do for your deceased uh, father. Um, there's a, uh, here we apply, you know, love psychology. Uh, basically, if you love someone, then they're, then they're going to be partial towards you. And 
the more they become partial towards you, the more they develop love for you, well, you are not an isolated individual. All of us are connected with others, hmm? um, sons, daughters. Later, you'll probably be a father yourself and so forth. So naturally, to use a common phrase of property, if you, you love me, you love my dog too, right? So therefore, the more we endear ourselves to Krishna, others who by circumstance of our material situation are dear to us, as they should be, relatives and so forth, naturally uh, endear themselves without knowing so to Krishna as well. Um, so it's uh, the best thing you can do you know, is to for, take the negative impetus as an opportunity to endear yourself further to Krishna and that will um, a byproduct of that would be his generosity extends to, you know, to your father. That's why we have statements in the scripture about um, devotees, families for generations being benefited by their becoming devotees. We see here Anikasipu was benefited despite his nature, which was asuric, demonic, because of Prahlad. So the contrast is extreme there to make the point. Um, so, but for your relatives and in, 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 in whatnot, uh, yeah, you know, you're a, you're a young person. I don't know how you fit in terms of your family, in terms of other siblings, age-wise and so forth, but um, you could be a, a sobering and uplifting influence by perhaps, you know, um, giving further philosophical input as to the credence of, you know, the people. I don't know, I don't know if your family's religious at all or anything. Uh, they believe that you know he's still he's still there, he's still existing, and so on and so forth. So you know, I I, I would think that that second chapter of the Gita is, is something to worth uh, trying to share with with relatives, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So so some thoughts. I hope that's helpful. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Maharaj. I, I really appreciate it. Does your family live there here in Northern California? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm with them currently. Okay. And uh, what's their religious background? Um, well, my mother's from China, and so uh, kind of vaguely familiar with Buddhism, but not really, doesn't really know the philosophy much. Um, I mm -hmm. guess they're more, um, most of my family that I'm in contact with, they're, they're either not religious or the most that they have is kind of like, you know, sort of like ancestor worship kind of yeah. folk religion in China. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you can tell you know, Buddhism comes from Hinduism. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But uh, it does create a teachable moment, you know, sometimes events like this, people become open and, and they, need, they need solace and, uh, and certainly you have something to say. So try. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. That was a very loving, compassionate answer.
Um, Madam Mohan, you want to unmute yourself? Um, Guru Maharaj. I, I don't consider myself um, an envious person, but I certainly see envy come up, rear its ugly head and like that in subtle ways in my inner life, such as emotional responses and, and things like that when I give serious contemplation and honest contemplation on things. And I read a really nice article a little while back by um, Satya Narayan Das Babaji, and he mentioned uh, the only one situated in Prema is completely free from envy. So I was wondering if you agreed with that assessment, and if so, if you could talk about how envy plays out differently at various stages of sadhana, fruta bhava, like that. Well, I'm not familiar with his uh, lecture on that and the, the point that he's raising. Um, but I mean, in a broad sense, um, I, uh, I don't know if I would agree with that. Um, for example, there are different types of mukti. Hmm? Um, I wouldn't say that someone who aspires for and enters into sayuja mukti is necessarily envious. Um, you could say that there are demons that were envious of Krishna that were killed by Krishna and entered into Sayuja Mukti, but uh, there are plenty of jnanis who want to enter into Sayuja Mukti and that's the samskar they have and how they've been uh, uh, introduced to, to spiritual life and, and so forth. And it is a type of Mukti mixed with jnan, mixed with some bhakti, you can attain that. Um, and and then it depends how you want to use the word prem. And prem is, is basically a very uh, Gaudiya term, not that it doesn't exist outside of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but prem prayoja. And the ideal is thought to be one that using that word transcends even mukti, hmm, of which there are four types that are relevant to Vaikuntha. So um, one can also attain Vaikuntha. Hmm, uh, in Shantarasa without praying, only Rati. Hmm. So I don't know if I would agree with that. I'm not, of course, and I'm, again, I didn't listen to the, to, the, to the talk or read the article. So he may be speaking about it in, 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 a, in a particular way. Um, or, I mean, I, to, say that, to say that one has to be transcend the, the bodily conception of life and be a mukta to be freed from envy, that would make a, you know, sense, uh, in it, but that would apply to all types of material uh, undesirable qualities. Mm -hmm. um, it, they, would, they would be comprehensively overcome, um, you know, by, by such uh, the bodily concept of life is rather, um, identification with is rather, rather embarrassing. Um, so, um, uh, I would look maybe to Vishwanath Chakravarti's work, Raghavartma Chandrika, where he speaks about um, uh, gradual eradication of karmic influences and other influences through the, as we progress through the different stages of bhakti. And um, 
um, I, I would I would look at uh, different um, undesirables, envy, lust, greed, um, avarice, and so forth. Um, as things that uh, that could be retired hmm? in earlier in, in, in the stage of, of sadhana I, I don't know what he would mean to say that a baba bhakta is envious of who hmm? um so again I, I mean i'd have to read the article um but envy is un particularly unbecoming uh for a devotee hmm? whose path is so much uh, focused on grace, mercy. Um, so to be a blessed person, hmm, um, it's pretty unbecoming to be envious of someone else who's more blessed or better in some way. What could be better than just to be on the path? Hmm? Um, but envy um, and jealousy are slightly i think two different things and um envy i would characterize as um the that it, that it manifests in the form of finding faults where there are no faults hmm? so that's a little different than jealousy you follow hmm? so you know, we, we, it's very, very kind of unbecoming. Someone has all good qualities and like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramchandra Puri said, you know, I visited the Kutir of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he wasn't there and I noticed there were some ants. Obviously, he is eating sweets when no one's around um, because otherwise why, why would there be ants? I mean, that's like you've created this whole, you know, thing, right? This, you're, you're, you're finding faults where there, where there, where there are none. That is the work of envy. It's pretty, pretty extreme. So, um, um, and that's very unbecoming. Yeah. What to speak of for, for devotees, Nirmat Saranam Satam said the Bhagavatam is for those who don't have that, that tendency. So I don't I don't think that it's that hard to overcome such a such a uh, unbecoming thing for for a devotee. Jealousy is another another thing. Hmm. Among the uh, Narasimha Thakur and his um, Prembaki Chandrika, he speaks about lust, read, what are they? There's five of them, I think. Six. Six. Uh, all, he speaks of five of them in terms of how they could be lust, greed, envy, or jealous, uh, what, what, madam, madness. Uh, modern Mohan. Amakroda, Loba, Madha, Moha, Imatsarya, which is ambitious. Yeah. 
He speaks of all of them, how to dovetail all of them in Krishna consciousness, except for envy. There's no place for dovetailing. Dovetailing was the term that Prabhupada used. Hmm? How you could apply yourself in terms of these bad qualities in, in, in Krishna consciousness and become free from them, except for envy. So it kind of sticks out like amongst them, even bad qualities is a particularly, uh, to use the English adage, sore thumb. Hmm. Uh, so those are some thoughts on that. I, you know, I'd be interested to see the article of Satya Narayan, um, Babaji, and uh, you know how how he's looking at that. Um, he's probably you know looking at it from another angle or something. But um, I can post it in the group. Uh, Maharaj, Guru Maharaj, I'll post it after the class. Yeah, yeah. But, Guru Maharaj, I think he doesn't refer to MB in connection to Baba because I've heard Satinarandas Baba just speaking and agreeing with the idea of entering by Kunta having Baba and also speaking that nobody actually can fall from Baba, even though sometimes it is said you can be envious and fall even from Baba by saying practice, it cannot happen. So I think he refers to something in the stage of sadhana, some stage or another. Uh, yeah. Without attaining praying, you can't be free from envy. I, I, yeah, that's what he says in the article. But I, I'll post it so you can see the context. Okay. Well, that's the best I can answer you. Thank, thank you. Okay. Hare Krishna. So I think we're out of time, huh? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, so we're going to try to upgrade the Zoom account this week. Okay. Um, next week, hopefully we'll have that in place. That will be that devotees can be on different channels and translating along with um, Guru Maharaj. Um, Guru Bhakya has been the, the um, impetus behind us getting this together. Thank you, Guru Bhakya. So, yeah. yeah, so we'll hope to have that. And, um, and happy birthday to Vaishnava Maharaj. I don't know if he's on, but. Vaishnava Maharaj Kijai. So, we'll, I'll see you next week. Okay. Jai, thank you so much for your wonderful answers and taking the time to be with us. Haribo. Haribo. Hi, wonderful Vaishnavs. See everybody soon. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yes, whatever you're saying, we, we agree. <laughs> Nice questions, everyone. We had some really good questions. Hare <laughs> Krishna. Oh, excuse me. Um, so, does it mean that next week we'll, I, I can invite the devotees, the Polish devotees, to participate, and we'll be able to have it next week, next Sunday? Yeah, I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna try to get it set up next. All right. Week. So, yeah. Oh, great. So if you could let me let me know before, okay? Just on the messenger, just in oh, case. Sure. All right? Yeah, I'm not on messenger, but um, can you send or 
Maybe I'll, I'll get your email address. Probably. I I, I I sent it all to uh, to Aradana, and okay. and she has all the details. So. Okay. Well, I'll have Aradana if you. I don't think she's on still, but I'll have her. Yeah. Have okay. Her. So I'll just let the Polish devotees that uh, they they should get ready for yeah, next right, Sunday. Right. That could be. Yeah, well, thank uh, awesome you for, experience, I hope. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for being your enthusiasm and pushing uh, us. No, 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 thank you. And uh, Namarasana also. She was okay. also pushing. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. This will be exciting. Yeah, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Yes. Thank yes. you very well, much again. I, I'll, I'll let you know because you you also, we can make you a, um, ho you'll have a host position which will give you an account as well. Um, okay. That you don't oh. need it. You don't. You might not need it, but. Um, you know. uh -huh. Okay. When 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 there are more than one, I think when there are more languages than one, then when someone needs to answer, ask a question, then I probably would have to do it via another account. Yeah, I'm I not guess. sure how it works. yet. we're going to have to find out. They don't um, give. I think if there's one language only, then I can do it like both ways. But uh, in case you know someone wants. You know, this is like, for example, uh, I don't know, like Spanish. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I think we can work it out. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we can have up to 10 hosts on, the, on it. And um, so, yeah, I would think that everybody that's doing Yeah, they say like, it's like up to five languages possible. Okay. Well, so, we've got Polish, we've got Spanish, we've got English. I don't know if the English is counted as one of the, and then possibly... Um, Bulgarian. They, yeah, and possible Czech them. also. There's one devotee from the uh, Czech Republic, and maybe I can call, I can just get in touch with him. So. So yeah. Can. So that's great. Okay. Well, I'll get your right. email. I'll get all your information and send you something. Okay. Thank uh, you very much. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, devotees. Bye. Well, thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.